Right. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Balls. I'm your host, Connor, and this is episode six. Kayla's in the building. So I have a pretty good episode for you guys tonight. Um, we're going to touch on a few different topics. Uh, we're going to look at NFL week four and week five. We're going to look at the MLB a little bit. Um, hot off the press, Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run tonight. I'm recording this September 4th, Tuesday, and a couple hours ago, he led off the game in Texas against the Rangers with a solo home run. So we're going to touch on that, obviously. Um, and then we're going to wrap up the episode with story time because something happened to me this weekend when I was out playing golf. Um, and I think it's definitely worth sharing with you guys. I think it'll be very entertaining. So without further ado, let's get right into it. And we are going to start off this episode talking about um, the poll that I put up on our Instagram. So at the end of episode five that I had with Derek, we told you guys about a little situation that each of us had. He made a mistake where he booked a flight to the wrong city. Um, we're going to Charlotte this week, and he booked a flight to Charleston instead. And I, a few months ago in the summer, when I was visiting a friend in Atlanta, um, left my suitcase at his house when I was leaving. So obviously him and I, um, he's been giving me shit for it for the past few months, telling me how could I do that? So stupid, this and that. And he pulls uh, a bonehead move of the same magnitude. So I was saying, bro, I don't know which is worse. Is it yours? Is it mine? So we explained that to you guys at the end of episode five. We put up a poll and I am here to release the results to you guys. And as expected, I mean, we didn't have that many voters. We had probably, I think, 35 or 40. Thank you to everyone who did vote. Um, 71% chose Derek's booking his flight to the wrong city as the worst blunder. 29% chose myself leaving the suitcase in the Airbnb. So unfortunately, Derek's not here to defend himself. So yeah, his move was worse. And that's it. You guys decided that for us. And we're not going to speak about it anymore. Okay. So we're moving right along. We also gave you guys a sheet of bets, which I'm going to run over really quickly. Um, the card went a little bit better than last week, but not really, actually. So Let's start with Tony, because I believe that he had the best card out of all of us. Um, Lions minus three. That shit missed. Seahawks played a great game. They actually won the game outright, 48-45, an absolute shootout. Lions fell to one and three. Jags plus seven. Uh, expected them to play a better game. I had that on my card as well. They were in a position to cover. They were actually winning the game in the beginning, but they eventually lost the cover. The Eagles won by eight. Ravens over 51 did not hit. Packers minus nine and a half, which I thought was the mortal lock of the day, did not hit. That was terrible. Raiders money line did hit. Um, Bucks over 46 did hit. That was an easy cash. Fournette TD cashed. Darren Waller TD did not cash. Um, but Debo TD did cash as well. And that was an electric run that he had in that game last night. Um, also, Tone gave you a bitch-ass teaser. The first one he gave you a couple of weeks ago did miss. This one was Titans plus 10 and a half and Ravens plus 10. Uh, this one did hit. So it moves Tone's bitch ass teaser record to a crisp one and one. Next on the list, we have Deej Bird Johnson. Five simple picks. 
Vikings minus four that did not hit Saints covered a minus three or a plus uh, plus four spread Vikings ended up winning that game by three Eagles minus six and a half did hit cover or again they, they won by eight Bills minus three and a half did not hit uh, they won by a field goal and Cowboys minus three did hit and Bears money money line did not hit an okay day for Derek there uh, myself Seahawks plus four that hit uh, I'm going to skip Colts over 42 and a half right right now because it did not hit, but I want to say something about that game. Ravens plus three was a push. Jags plus seven, again, really thought they were going to play a tighter game with them. Uh, they let it slip away in the second half. Trevor Lawrence, five turnovers, four fumbles, and one pick. I mean, tough to cover any spread. I don't really care what the line is at that point when you're turning the ball over so much. Packers minus nine was an L. Uh, Chris Olave, TD, was was good. Friermuth TD was not good and ETN TD was not good. So I had a red day on Sunday. Uh, it wasn't that bad because of the Olave touchdown um, and the Ravens push, but the Colts over 42 and a half. I saw a meme and it said some shit like you're not bad at sports betting. The players are bad at playing. And damn, I felt that with this Colts over 42 and a half. They're sitting at 41 points with seven and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter. And neither one of these teams could even kick a field goal to cash that over. So that was pain. I couldn't believe it. The players stopped scoring. They stopped playing football. I don't even know what happened, but that was some bullshit. So week four wasn't the best. Um, I will have another sheet of plays for week five. Probably won't have it out for Thursday night game. Um, and there aren't many games on the slate that look enticing, but we will get to that uh, when we get to the week five look ahead. All right. So let's switch gears. As I said, Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run tonight, and it set the ALC single season record. And I think it's a pretty big deal. I'm not going to lie. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Yankees fan. Um, I think it's a pretty big deal in baseball overall. Obviously, it's not the actual record of across Major League Baseball. You have Barry Bonds, obviously, with 73. You have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa up there. But I think anyone who says that they don't care about this record being broken probably isn't really a real baseball fan. Um, baseball is a game that obviously hangs its hat on its history and it, it prides itself on its history. And the season that judge is having, we're basically witnessing history and any halfway decent baseball fan should be able to appreciate that. Even if you have a deep hatred for the New York Yankees, you should be able to appreciate what Aaron judge is doing and understand and appreciate the magnitude of how rare it is for someone to even come close to, to these records. So my cousin asked me if judges contract would be affected either positively or negatively, if he were or weren't to hit the number 62 home run. So the truth is, is I really have no idea. Obviously I'm not sitting in those meetings, negotiating the contracts. Um, and judge has said a lot of times that he doesn't play the game for individual accomplishments or individual accolades. And I do believe him. Um, I really do think that he wants to win a world series before any of these individual accomplishments, not to say that he would trade all of them for a world series, but I know that he really does want to win a world series before anything else. So when a player goes into contract negotiations, obviously you want to look out, what are they doing on the field for you? Are they producing? What level of production are they giving you? Um, but they also look at other things like, can, do they have any off the field issues? What's their level of leadership that they bring to the clubhouse? Um, is, is this someone that you're going to expect to 
be an example for the other players, uh, be a leader in the clubhouse, or do you want them to be more of just a role guy? And also sometimes they look at, can a player stay healthy? If a player is injury prone, um, obviously they may not want to give them that much money because why would they pay someone if they're not going to be available all the time, which makes sense. To that point, Judge has answered that question. I think during this year, he's been healthy the entire year. Um, he's been crushing pitching pretty much the entire year. He hasn't had that big of a prolonged slump where it's concerning. And throughout that stretch in the middle of the year where the Yankees were really, really struggling, um, he was the lone bright spot and he was trying to carry the team as best he could. But obviously one person just can't do it all. I think with all that being accounted for, the main thing that should go into these contract negotiations is the production level that a player brings to the team on the field. Unfortunately for the Yankees, they didn't sign him before the year. So walking into the meeting now, Judge has all the leverage. Um, he can basically ask for any amount of money that he wants, and it would be, you know, reasonable. Um, and the Yankees missed out. So we'll see what happens. I don't think he's going to go anywhere in the offseason. Um, I think the Yankees will definitely pay him. Um, but they put themselves in a bad position in terms of retaining other players or going after other players this year in the offseason um, because they're going to have to pay Judge more money than what they even offered him last year. While we're talking about baseball, let's take a look at the MLB postseason, the picture. Um, I just got a notification about 30 minutes ago. The Braves clinched the NL East. So the New York Mets had a epic collapse. They had a 10 and a half game lead, I think, in June or July. See a later loss of the division by two games. Um, so we'll stay in the National League right now. Number one seed, obviously, Los Angeles Dodgers. Number two seed, Atlanta Braves. Number three seed is the St. Louis Cardinals. Number four seed is the New York Mets. Number five, San Diego Padres. And number six, Philadelphia Phillies. Now that's as it stands as of tonight in Tuesday. I don't know if any of these teams, the teams can shuffle in terms of the wildcard teams based on their record. Um, but as of right now, it looks like the number three Cardinals are going to be playing the number six Phillies and the number four Mets are going to be playing the number five San Diego Padres in the wildcard round. So first of all, shout out to the Phillies for making it. Um, they had a tumultuous start to the season. They had high expectations. They were under 500 for a long time, fired Girardi early on in the year, and they battled adversity and, and eventually made it. So that's, that's impressive. Um, they have some momentum coming into the postseason, and I've said it once, we'll say it again. The best team doesn't always win the World Series, but sometimes the hottest team. So look out for the Phillies. Uh, they're riding a wave coming in. They could make some noise. However, the Cardinals are a team that I personally would love to see come out of the National League. Uh, I think my two favorites would be the Braves and the Cardinals. In that wild card series, I do like the Cardinals to beat the Phillies and go on to see the Atlanta Braves in the divisional round. I think that series will be electric, Atlanta versus St. Louis. Um, but we'll get there when that happens. So the New York Mets are going to take on the San Diego Padres, and the Mets could not come in limping any harder than they are. Basically, they lost it. They lost all their swag. They're playing with no heart. Um, they look dead out there, and they are nosediving at the absolute worst time of the season. Um, look, the Padres obviously signed Juan Soto. They have a lot of big names on their pitching staff. They have a lot of other big names in their lineup. They have a potent offense at times. So I think given the way that the Mets are playing at this moment, the Padres could definitely, definitely knock them off and out them in the first round. 
Either way, the winner of this team, I don't see them getting past the Dodgers, so it doesn't really matter. So that's it for the National League. Um, and if you guys don't know, the MLB is switching their playoff format. They have three wild cards now. The lowest wild card seed is going to play the um, last division winner. And then the two middle wild cards will play each other. So that's a good little shift, I think, because it takes the record part out of it and it takes the division winning part out of it. Um, you can, a lot of times we have seen a team with a better record playing in the wild card game where the team with the, the worst record won the division and they're not playing in the wild card game. But now the last division winner having to play in the wild card round, um, it kind of takes that out of it and it neutralizes the records between the wild cards and that last division winner, which I think is a fun thing for the game. Switching over to the AL, the number one seed secured by the Houston Astros scum organization. Number two seed has been clinched by the New York Yankees. Shout out. And then you have the number three Cleveland Guardians uh, who clinched the AL Central in a dog shit division. So they're, even though they're the number three seed, they're probably one of the weaker teams in the AL. And you look at the three wildcard teams, you got number four, Toronto Blue Jays, number five, Seattle Mariners, and number six, Tampa Bay Rays. Those are three very, very, very good teams. Um, me as a Yankees fan, I do not want to see Tampa Bay, but unfortunately I think they're going to mop Cleveland. Uh, and I think we are going to see Tampa. But if Cleveland can somehow pull out that win in the wild card round, I would much rather see Cleveland. I think we have a much better chance of beating them. Uh, Tampa just knows the Yankees. They're a division rival. They always play us tough. They're not scared. Um, they do have a little bit of bad blood between the two. So in the postseason, obviously, that brings the energy to a different level. So that is not a team that I would want to see in the playoffs, especially not in the uh, divisional round. But that's the way it's lined up. The other wild card matchup is the Jays and the Mariners. Um, the Mariners are in the postseason for the first time. I don't know how many years I forgot. I think it's like 18 years or something like that. So good for the Mariners. They're a feel good story in the MLB, um, but they're playing a good team. And the Blue Jays have one of the best offenses in the league. Obviously it's going to come down to starting pitching, which I think the Mariners have the edge. Um, and I think the Mariners have the offense to keep up with the Blue Jays or pass the Blue Jays. So I do like the Mariners to win this series. Um, I think the Blue Jays are young, but pitching might be the difference. Uh, you need good pitching in the playoffs. And the Mariners, I think, have a severe advantage at starting pitching. So give me the Mariners in that series to go on and face the Astros, which should be another fun series if that one lines up the way I predicted. Um, Astros and Mariners, obviously division rivals, play each other pretty well. That would be a fun series to see those two teams going at it. So I believe the regular season is going to wrap up tomorrow and we are going to start the playoffs either this weekend or next Tuesday. I'm very excited for it. Postseason baseball, there's nothing like it. Um, there's really no other postseason or playoffs in major, major sports that is like baseball. Average fans watch it. Non-baseball fans watch it. Baseball fans watch it, obviously. It's just a really fun time, and October baseball really can't be beat. Okay, gear shift again. Let's talk about week four in the NFL. Um, a lot of shit went down, obviously. We're not going to touch on it all, just to keep it brief. Um, but one of the most important storylines of week four, other than the New York Giants moving to three and one, beating the Bears at home, um, would be that of Tua Tagovailoa, the Miami Dolphins quarterback, who played a game in Cincinnati Thursday night football. And I'm sure you guys all have seen it by now but he was tackled 
um, thrown to the ground, hit his, hit the back of his head on the turf. Um, and immediately froze up. His body looked like he was hinging at the hips. Uh, he was very spastic and his hands cramped up. And that was the thing that kind of freaked everybody out. Um, obviously when you see something like the hands cramping up and, and involuntary muscle spasms, it's scary to watch on TV. It's scary probably for the players right there. I can't imagine watching that, but the, the question is why was Tua allowed back in the game during week three? Why was he allowed to play in week four? How was he cleared? They said he cleared protocols twice. Um, and then he cleared protocols again to be able to play on Thursday. So how does this happen? It really doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's a really bad look for the Dolphins. It's a really bad look for the NFL. A lot of people think that the NFL already didn't care about their players, but this kind of shows that even more. So your brain inside your, your skull is kind of the consistency of jello. So it's not as solid as most people think. It's very moldable, if you will. Um, and it's definitely one of the most vulnerable organs that you have in your body. So when that jello gets shaken up by some kind of blunt force trauma, like getting hit or falling on the turf, getting, getting thrown to the ground like Tua was, your brain is going to send off signals. And those signals are, are going to go haywire. And that's going to cause a disconnect between your brain and the rest of your body. And that's when you get the muscle spasms and you get the involuntary movement that you saw from Tua. So the thing is, obviously, we know that these kind of injuries can have long lasting impacts on someone's life. Um, CTE is obviously a big concern in the NFL right now. Players committing suicide and having behavioral issues years down the road, um, attributing that to the CTE um, and, the, and the consistent blows to the head that they were taking during their career in the NFL. An independent neurologist who was already fired a couple of days after the game had cleared Tua. Um, they said that it was his back and his ankle. That's what Tua was saying. Um, and McDaniels said that he was trusting Tua and he trusted the doctors to clear him properly. Obviously, he has no medical background. Um, so he has to rely on that independent neurologist who, by the way, is supposed to be just that independent. He's not supposed to have any special interest in the game in the Miami Dolphins, in, in Tua. So for him to let Tua back in the game, he must have really felt that Tua was okay to go play, even after seeing him stumble. So McDaniel said that he believed the doctors and he listened to Tua and everything was good to put him back in the game. And I want to believe him very badly, but the whole situation just doesn't add up. Like if he did pass the protocol twice, then the protocol probably needs to be revisited and looked at and it needs to be strengthened um, I don't think a player who gets hit like that and then stumbles directly after should be allowed back in the game under any circumstance um, obviously as an athlete they're going to say anything they can to make sure that they can play and that game week three was against the Bills up until this point that was the biggest game of the year probably the biggest game of his career at that point so Tua wants to play the Dolphins need him to play so he's going to say anything he can in order to get in, get back in that game. Someone has to put their foot down and say, no, dude, you can't. Um, that's just the, the way athletes are wired. They're going to do that kind of stuff. Someone has to be there and protect the athletes from themselves sometimes. And one last note I want to talk about with the Dolphins. Um, so we have this this year, their handling of Tua and, and his head injury, which is a tough look for them, tough look for the league, like I said before. Um, but if we wind it all the way back to 2010, uh, Jeff Ireland was 
reported as asking Des Bryant about his mom. Um, his mom had some troubles with drug abuse and things like that. Um, also selling drugs. So Jeff Ireland asked Des Bryant if his mom was a prostitute in a pre-draft meeting. So obviously Des Bryant at the time was a prospective employee. So when you're about to hire someone, yeah, you want to vet them and you want to see um, if they're someone of character and someone that you want to bring into your organization. Now, am I okay with, with Jeff Ireland inquiring about his mom's employment? Yes, I am. I don't think it's stepping over a boundary for him to inquire about that. But could he have worded it differently than saying, hey, Des, was your mom a prostitute? Um, yeah, he probably could have. He could have spoken to someone else that was close to Des. He maybe didn't even have to talk to Des directly. Um, he could have gotten information from sources around Des. And I believe that he could have got his information elsewhere. But that's the first thing. Then we go to 2014. You have Bullygate. That was where Richie Incognito was accused of causing offensive lineman Jonathan Martin to be subjected to a pattern of harassment, racial slurs, and sexual taunts about his mother and sister um, that caused Incognito to be suspended. Martin eventually, I believe, left the team that later next year. And so that was just a weird situation that came to light that year. Then you go to 2016, and... Um, they drafted Laramie Tunsil, an offensive lineman from Ole Miss, with their first-round pick. Um, Laramie Tunsil was a guy who was projected to go number one overall. That year, the Titans held the number one pick, um, and they were projected to take an offensive lineman with that pick. They wound up trading it to the Rams, and the Rams uh, wound up selecting Jared Goff. But Tunsil was supposed to go number one. Tunsil didn't go number one because a video leaked on the internet of him smoking a gas mask bomb. Um, so obviously this video ruined his draft stock. A lot of teams took him off their board entirely. And not only did he not go number one, but he slipped all the way down to number 13. And this is a different, a little bit different situation than the other things that I'm going to talk about because Tunsil was sabotaged by a piece of shit in the world that just want to see him burn. No pun intended. Um, which I don't think is right at all. Like, for someone to do that, that's kind of pure evil to sabotage someone like that. At the same time, um, other other organizations passed because of this, because of the optics of it um, to the public. But sure enough, who drafted him? The Miami Dolphins did. Uh, I don't think he played more than two or three years with the team before he was moved, moved to the Texans. And I believe that's where he's still playing or that's where he last was still playing. Next year, 2017, this is a doozy, okay? This is one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard in my life. Chris Forrester was a former assistant coach of the Miami Dolphins, and he was also caught on video, which I don't know why these guys would record themselves doing these things. Like, I don't know if they think they're cool or whatever it is, but a video came out of him snorting white powder, which he admitted to be cocaine. Um, and he was in his desk in team facilities and he was quoted as saying, how about me going into a meeting and doing this before I go and then absolutely ripping a line of coke? So uh, that's just the kind of shit that's going on in the, in the Dolphins organization. No rules. It's anarchy in there. Um, and then you look at last year, you have Flores and owner Stephen Ross. Brian Flores, after he was let go of the team, came out and said that Stephen Ross had offered him $100,000 to tank games. Uh, in order for the Dolphins to get a better draft position in the upcoming drafts. 
So that obviously compromised the integrity of the game. Steven Ross, the owner, was fined. Um, and if you look at all of this together over the last decade or so, that's a pretty long list of some sticky situations to be involved in for one franchise. So all I'm saying about the Dolphins is they're a scum organization. They're morally bankrupt. Um, they have a great team this year, which I love. Unfortunately, it seems like the character of the organization is extremely subpar. Um, and I just, I kind of feel bad for their fans because I feel like they deserve better. They support the team so much and they'd be dealing with all of this negative publicity. It really is not fair to them. All right. Let's look ahead to week five. Um, so I scanned the board before coming in here. And to be honest with you, at least the 1 p.m. slate sucks. Uh, there's not many interesting games on that slate. You have an early start again. The Giants are going to be playing the Packers in London, which is cool. We get football from 9.30 a.m. until 11.30 at night. We always love that. Um, but the first interesting game to me on the docket is going to be 425 Cowboys and Rams. The Cowboys are in Los Angeles. The Rams open up as minus four and a half favorites. Um, and although I never bet the Cowboys because I absolutely hate them, uh, almost as much as the Boston Red Sox. I don't think there's any way that the Rams should be two score favorites over anyone at this point. Um, after what they've done offensively through the first four weeks, we talked about it after their game against the bills. We didn't think that they were going to be the offensive juggernaut that they were. Um, they're constantly, constantly turned one dimensional, uh, I think Stafford threw the cup like 30 times or 40 times last night, which is absurd. So teams are focusing on cup, making Stafford one dimensional, forcing Stafford into errors. Um, and they really need someone else to step up on in the wide receiver room with Cooper cup, because if no one else can, teams are going to keep replicating these performances. They're going to keep letting Cooper cup get his while they're shutting down everybody else. And we can see that the Rams are severely limited on offense when that happens. So they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to get someone else involved. Maybe it's Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, more reps. The running game has been non-existent between Akers and Henderson. So they have a lot of work to do. That division is wide open. All four teams are two and two. And I would say all four teams have an equal chance to win the division because no team just wants to come and grab it just yet. Uh, the next game that should be a good one is uh, Eagles and Cardinals. This game is in Arizona. The Eagles uh, still wasn't sold on them last week. A little bit more sold on them now after they beat the Jags and covered the spread. Uh, um, I thought the Jags and still think the Jags are a solid team, but we said before Trevor Lawrence had five turnovers. Um, so when you turn the ball over that much, especially against a team that is as good as the Eagles, there's no way to win that football game. And they're lucky it wasn't one of these lopsided blowouts, 42 to seven. Um, because it very easily could have been larger than an eight-point margin of victory. So this game, Eagles are favored as, as five-point favorites. Um, and although I really dislike Kyler Murray, and I will never really bet on Kyler Murray, I think I'm going to do it again. I'm going to fade the Eagles one more time this week and go cards plus five. Um, I just I think the Eagles are due for a regression game. Um, I thought the Jags were going to give it to him last week. The Eagles made me pay. So give me the opposition one more time before I never do it again and bet against Philly all season.
So that's all I have for week five. Again, not very interesting. Um, I will have a sheet of plays for you guys before Sunday. Um, but let's look at the standings real quick and just see, you know, how the league shakes out. So we're about a quarter of the way done with the season. So oh, the dust has settled a little bit. You have some teams that are going to stay at the bottom and you have some teams that are going to stay at the top. Obviously, some teams that are with good records right now will drop down and some teams who are maybe under 500 will wind up making the playoffs because that happens every year. But as it is right now, Miami and Buffalo leading their division at three and one, um, pretty much as expected. That's going to be a great game come December when Miami goes to Buffalo. Um, hopefully they're still tied at that time. Um, the AFC North, Cleveland, Cincy, and Baltimore all tied at two and two. And I think those are the three teams that we can focus on going forward. Uh, Pittsburgh just doesn't look like they have enough. They did switch from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett this past week against the Jets. Um, that didn't help them. They still lost the game. And I don't know if Pickett is the answer long-term uh, this season, rather. Um, they have a gauntlet of a schedule coming up the next four or five weeks. So he's going to be in for it if he does start. I don't know if he's going to be named the starter by Tomlin. Uh, but that division seems to be shaping up as a three-man race. The AFC South, the Jags and the Titans and the Colts, all right there. Jags and Titans are two and two. Colts are one, two, and one. Uh, those three teams should fight for it, but don't count the Texans out. Oh, three and one. They haven't won yet, but they have been competitive. Davis Mills looks okay. Damian Pierce, they have as a good running back. Brandon Cooks has still been producing like he does, no matter where he goes or what quarterback he has. Um, so that division is definitely going to be fun as well. KC leading their division at three and one. Uh, Phillies 4-0, Dallas and Giants are 3-1. Minnesota and Green Bay are tied at 3-1 after Green Bay's week one loss to Minnesota. So Green Bay has bounced back, ripped off three in a row. Minnesota just got a win in London against the Saints last week. Um, I'm still holding firm on that pick. I like the Vikings to still win the division. Obviously, they have a they have a tie break with the Viking or with the Packers after beating them week one. Um, and they they have a, a lead on everybody in the division, actually. Um except for the Bears, who they played this week at home. Uh, NFC South, basically the Bucks ain't it. Same like the Rams. They're not what they were last year. The Falcons are right there. They're, they play each other this week uh, for the sole division lead. Both of those teams are two and two. So that will be an interesting game to watch, um, even though, you know, both of those teams are performing so, so under expected or under what we expected coming into the year. Um, especially Tampa, that it really doesn't draw much, in, much interest for me this week. And then we can go, lastly, to the NFC West. Niners, Rams, Arizona, Seahawks, all two and two. Uh, this division, like I said before, up for grabs. We'll see who wants to take it. All teams look evenly matched. Even the Seahawks, led by Geno Smith, look like they can compete with any one of these teams in the division. So the NFL is shaping up to be great. Uh, fantasy sucks. I'm blowing up my rosters. I got two wins through four weeks with four different teams. So you do the math. That record is shit. I'm blowing it up. I'm sick of looking at these guys. Uh, but don't count me out yet. It ain't over till it's over. And I'm still going to participate, okay? So that's all I have in terms of talking balls. Uh, I told you I was going to end this with a little story time. So allow me. You guys know I like playing golf. Um, gives me something to work at. It's extremely fun just to go out there and mash balls as far as you can with the boys. Uh, and when you play well, obviously, that's better. So not to brag, 
uh, shot an 80, which is not good to some people, but it's also good to other people. Shot an 80 at Osprey in West Boca, uh, which is, if you don't know about it, in my opinion, one of, if not the nicest public courses in South Florida. So if you haven't played Osprey Point in West Boca, get your ass out there. They got three nine-hole courses, absolutely beautiful. Um, you'd be surprised that it's a public course after you leave there. So anyway, I'm out there on the back nine. I don't know what hole it was. I forgot, but I was playing well. Uh, I believe I was only plus three through 13 holes. And then a hole or two after hole 13, this is when shit went south and I kind of hit a little bogey stretch. So I hit my shot. Everybody in my group hits their shot. We head out to the fairway. Okay. So I get to the ball. And there's people in front of me on the green. So what am I doing? Naturally, I'm waiting for the green to clear. So I'm standing there. I'm standing there waiting, talking the shit with the, the buddy in my cart. And I hear four. And this guy, I mean, he yells it really loud. And it's coming from behind me. So I hear four. I turn around, obviously trying to locate the ball, trying to figure out where it is so I don't get hit. And I turn around and I shit you not, not even a half a second later, this thing hits me right in the chest, right here, just absolutely drills me. Um, and I was in utter shock. I was like, I cannot believe that this happened. The ball is this big, number one, and it's got all of this space everywhere to go. And it's going to pick me. That's fucking whack. I don't know what the chances of that happening are, but I'm pretty sure I may have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than getting hit by a golf ball. If you're wondering if I cried or if it hurt, it didn't hurt and I didn't cry. Uh, the ball met its match that day. I'm um, a fucking shit brick house. So as soon as that thing hit me, fell right to the floor. There was no ricochet. There was no bouncing off of me. Um, it met its match that day. So I, after this happened, was in utter disbelief. I turned to the buddy who's in my car and I was like, dude, that fucking ball just hit me right in the chest. And he's like, no way. I said, yes, dude, you didn't fucking hear that. He said, yeah, it sounded like it hit the cart. I was like, no, dude, that hit me. And I, I looked under my shirt. Sure enough, there's a mark. And I was like, dude, those, those MFers actually just hit me with that golf ball. And obviously that's grounds for murder on the golf course. Um, I am not a loose cannon on the golf course. I don't have a short temper at all, uh, but I have definitely barked at other players out there for much less than hitting me with a golf ball. So when those guys came to apologize, they didn't know it hit me. I didn't tell them it hit me. Um, I didn't really know how to act. So when they came up and they apologized, I didn't say a word. My buddies were talking to them and that was it. I was thinking in the moment, I was like, am I really about to like, us these guys out and get in their face because he sprayed a drive and i was like there ain't no way i can do that because i'm amateur just like these guys are and i've sprayed so many drives out on these courses it's not even funny it should be illegal how many drives i've sprayed left and right so i can't get mad at him for hitting a shitty shot because that's what everybody's doing out there no one's hitting good shots all the time but the fact that he yelled four and I turned around and it hit me within a second. 
tells me that he could have yelled four just a little bit sooner. So PSA, if you hit a drive and it goes way off target and you think it's even going to come close to hitting someone, just yell four. That's why you yell it to give someone a heads up that something is coming that is potentially life-threatening, okay? Had I stayed with my back turned to the ball and I actually did one of these ducks to try and hide my head like a heads-up move, I could have easily lowered the back of my head into that ball. And who knows what what would have happened if it hit the back. I could probably would have collapsed on the floor, knocked out in the hospital, see you later, call my mama, okay? And I'm pretty sure that's not the thing that she's worried about when I tell her I'm going out to golf with the boys. So call four early. Don't hit anybody. And next time someone bitches at you for hitting into them, especially if it's by mistake, tell them to piss off. Tell me of a buddy who got hit by a golf ball and he didn't even flinch. He didn't even cry. Tell him I said it don't even hurt that bad. I promise. Maybe that was the adrenaline. And, and the fact that I didn't even know what happened. Um, but if I can wear it, you can wear it. So don't let anybody get in your face for that again if you do it on mis- by mistake. So please, watch other people. Take a gander. Where are the other holes when you're teeing off? Um, and if you're in a group where everybody's spraying the ball, maybe... Just wait until every, every area is clear until you can't see people at all. Um, we don't want to be hitting into people. We don't want to be hit people. That's not why we're out there. So use better judgment. Um, and again, if you're on the course, keep your head on a swivel because we don't know where these balls are going now. They could be coming for you next. That's going to be it for episode six. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, whack golf story at the end. I don't really know if I processed it fully, uh, but I thought you guys might enjoy it. Something that doesn't happen every day. Um, so that's it. Let me know what you guys think of the show so far. Uh, we're moving and grooving. We're not, we're not slowing down anytime soon. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Um, give me feedback on Instagram, on YouTube. Let me know what you like and what you dislike. Hit me up, see what you want me to talk about. Um, and if you want to join the show, join me and talk as a co-host about anything, let me know as well. Cause I'm constantly searching for people to come on here with me and I will see you next week after week five, uh, week six of college football, MLB, and I'm signing off from the sack. Thank you very much. Have you ever had the feeling that you was being had? Don't that shit that make you mad? They treat you like a slave Put chains all on your soul and put whips up on your back They be lying through they teeth, hope you slip up off your path I don't switch up, I just laugh Put my kicks up on they desk, unaffected by they threats Then get busy on they ass